in the music economy, there's multiple participants. We always talk about artists and we always talk about listeners, but there's producers, there's songwriters, there's labels, there's music curators. And ultimately like who gets paid first is usually the customer. And Spotify doesn't exist as a business without the deal with the, obviously the three major labels. Therefore, who is their primary customer, the major labels, whether or not they get paid from their one of their artists or Drake or Taylor Swift, it's all money going into the Universal Music Group bank account. Um, and that basically sets the stage for they don't really care where the streams are coming from. Um, and that's why, obviously, um, like the system is designed so that the three major labels are winning. They're getting paid. I forget what the latest numbers are, um, but like, I don't know, it's like two million dollars a day or some crazy amount um, that, uh, that, that, they're, that, that, that they're earning at, at the expense of obviously these smaller artists. So it literally takes, as you pointed out, tens and tens and tens of millions of streams to make any real money off their music. There just aren't enough people in the world, nor are there people obviously joining the streaming services to generate that many streams for that many artists. Matt, how you feeling, brother? I'm feeling great, Sam. How about yourself? I'm good, man. Music NFTs, baby. I, I love this space. love this category. I think there's a lot of broken models in the music industry. I think that the way the current industry is set up makes it very hard to succeed unless you're an elite musician. It's often thrown around that there's no middle class in music. Um, but I do think NFTs are actually enabling this new paradigm, this new way in which artists can thrive and create new opportunities to engage their fan base. And I think uh, David Greenstein, the co-founder of Sound.xyz, is at the very forefront of that. Sound has driven just about $3 million in revenue to artists off of earnings through music NFT sales, um, onboarded over 100 different collectors. I think it's it's a very exciting time. I think lots of the, the general, more mainstream market is starting to pay more attention. I think the music industry is starting to pay more attention. And I also think too that as I think music industry in general just has so much cultural relevance, has so much distribution. So when it comes to the actual, what's going to foster just broader mainstream adoption of NFTs across different industries, I very much do see music having a, a big playing a big role in just fostering general adoption of Web3 and NFT technology. So to have David Greenstein break down everything that he's up to with sound today um, and their vision for the future is really, really powerful. What stood out to you, Matt? Yeah, it's really nice to see music kind of creating its own lane. Because um, I think when music NFTs kind of, when we first started to see it at the at the dawn of, uh, you know, 2021 and, and all that, um, there was a lot of like music getting in arts lane, figuring out all that. Like, it's nice to see these sort of like more native protocols kind of launching and amazing to see a secondary sales market for music NFTs. That's, a, that's an incredibly encouraging sign, even this early on. Um, so very interested to hear about what his vision is for scaling that and keeping it sustainable in the future. Yeah, for sure. And just one little fun fact, too, about music NFTs is like there's a story of an artist who was effectively able to generate the equivalent revenue of 40 million streams off traditional streaming platforms through 100 NFT collectors. So just think about that for a second and how that can change the game fundamentally for how musicians can thrive um, with their communities. So Dave, David's the, one of the, the smartest men on the topic. So without any further ado, let's let's jump into the episode. David, what's happening, man? How you feeling? Stressed and blessed always. There we go. Would love to hear from your perspective, just kind of the, the founding story of sounds. What exactly is sound? And I, know, I think we were speaking earlier too and mentioned that kind of went from idea and, and brought the product to market pretty quickly. So I'd love to just hear through some of the, its inception. 
Yeah, so just my kind of personal background, music has been my passion for as long as I can remember. And something that I just got really lucky uh, lucky with is I grew up in New York City and uh, the CEO of Atlantic Records, Craig Kalman, went to my high school and he came to speak when I was 13 years old. And uh, I was like, that sounds pretty cool, like working with artists, working in the music industry. And uh, I reached out to kind of get an internship there and started working at Atlantic when I was 13 years old and been on this journey um, and and nothing obviously against, you know, the major label system, which we can get into in a second. And Craig is still a mentor today, uh, but it never felt like the innovation in the music industry was going to come from a major label. And so I was always obsessed with where that was headed because you have so many talented artists just sitting on the Internet, especially as making music has gotten easier and easier. But the methods for just discovery and, and surfacing this amazing uh, music has kind of remained largely unchanged. Um, and I've kind of been on this journey ever since working at a multitude of different, you know, tech companies and startups, some of which in the music space. Um, and it wasn't until like I came across kind of the Web3 space that um, my mind started to like really start to spin on what was possible if um, listeners and artists could kind of connect more directly because what I always tell people, and we can get into this, is the problems in music are not new to Web3. They've been around a lot longer. Um, and for me, it was really about exploring whether the Web3 toolkit was the right toolkit to solve um, some of the problems in music that have been keeping me up late at night over the last decade. Um, so that's kind of the uh, bit of a teaser into where we can go. I love that. Love that. Great points. You know, oftentimes we talk about music NFTs. We often bring up the um, that the 1000 truth ands theory, you know, Kevin Kelly's treatise, the idea that, you know, in theory, you don't need millions of fans uh, to have a successful career as a creative. You just need around a thousand true fans who are going to uh, pick up everything that you put down, you know, show up, buy the ticket, take the ride, buy the merch, et cetera. Um, but to date with Web2, with all these centralized platforms getting in the way, it's actually been quite hard to earn any sort of meaningful income as a musician, unless you're an elite artist. I'm curious to hear your perspective. Do you think NFTs sort of change that and help actualize the, like, the original promise of the internet and being able to connect people with a market um, across, across geographical boundaries? The answer is yes, but let's first understand why like Spotify is the way that it is, right? Which is the, in the music economy, there's multiple participants. We always talk about artists and we always talk about listeners, but there's producers, there's songwriters, there's labels, there's music curators. And ultimately, like who gets paid first is usually the customer. And Spotify doesn't exist as a business without the deal with the, obviously the three major labels. Therefore, who is their primary customer, the major labels, whether or not they get paid from their one of their artists or Drake or Taylor Swift, it's all money going into the Universal Music Group bank account. Um, and that basically sets the stage for they don't really care where the streams are coming from. Um, and that's why, obviously, um, like the system is designed so that the three major labels are winning. They're getting paid. I forget what the latest numbers are. Um, but like, I don't know, it's like two million dollars a day or some crazy amount um, that, uh, that, they're, that, that they're earning at the expense of obviously these smaller artists. So it literally takes, as you pointed out, tens and tens and tens of millions of streams to make any real money off their music. There just aren't enough people in the world, nor are there people obviously joining the streaming services to generate that many streams for that many artists. Um, and so you're basically seeing the streaming like era kind of start to plateau right now. Income NFTs, obviously, and that's ultimately like the most, um, like 
the, the most exciting part of the whole story, which is NFTs can, can help artists connect with their fans more directly and build a business model that is meant to be for a thousand true fans. The business model of streaming today fundamentally isn't meant for a thousand true fans. And so you've ended up in a world where it's superstar or bust. Um, and ultimately like some artists should want to be superstars and that's incredible and we should build things that support them and i don't even think nfts are anti-superstar i just think that there needs to be more sustainable economic models because many many artists just want to build their core fan base they're not looking to become the next drake or the next justin bieber and that's totally okay in fact there's so many cult uh, artists on spotify that have amazing followings that don't stream well but they make all their money on these tours and music and i mean tours and merch um and that's not reflected in their music and i guess like an example of that is like um like griselda as an example on the hip-hop side like one of the most cult-like followings in in all of music every rapper's favorite rapper, um, but they don't stream, they don't have any mainstream songs. And to say that Griselda is in a resounding success would be laughable. Um, and so really like the, the streaming era today doesn't capture the fervor of their fandom, um, which is captured in a lot of other areas, whether it's, as I said, touring or merch. So a hundred percent is the long-winded answer to that. Yeah, no, I absolutely love that. And I think it's super exciting, too, because even just sonically, there's lots of artists that have been pushing forward more experimental sounds and kind of charting their own path and not going this route of what's the most commercially viable sounds. Um, and I think this just gives and creates more uh, of an equitable model for artistic prosperity in that regard. I'm curious when you think about just to get like tactical for a second, obviously, like NFTs, Web3, um, we're really like blazing trail, like cutting, breaking trail as we speak. And when it comes to the, the functionality and specific use cases, like there's still lots of room just to innovate and create what will become this next precedent. But I'm curious from your perspective, what you see as being the most likely applications and use cases to really penetrate the music industry when it comes to Web3 and NFTs? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you got to break this down from the artist side and obviously on the collector side or listener side as well. I think on the artist side, uh, it's about owning the relationship with their fans. I mean, I, I think people forget that no artist today knows who their listening listeners are on any platform at the individual level. They're completely beholden to kind of what playlist they're on or or at any like, you know, click of a button like they can lose obviously a lot of their audience. And so at Sound, every artist has their own smart contract uh, and has provenance over their work, which ultimately means that they own the relationship with their listeners. The second is that like, uh, I wouldn't say fast and accurate payments are, are, are part of the music industry story. Um, and so just the way that obviously like the blockchain and Ethereum works, right? Money comes in, money gets paid out. That's that's beautiful in and, of, in and of itself. And then I think the 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 uh, transparency when you are transparent, and this is again not nothing specific to sound, but just the nature of Web three, people behave better because you can see everything in public. If somebody goes and steals money or doesn't pay somebody, it's very public where it is. And I think that holds everybody uh, accountable in a really cool way. On the listener side. That's an even harder question, a more interesting one. Why are people buying these music NFTs is a common is a common question. I think there are three ingredients that goes into this. One is the social status and the um, kind of like, I guess, like people's desire to say, like, I was here first. Um, I think a lot of what's been going on with NFTs is being able to back a project and really claim that you were on these um, projects first before they blew up, right? Um, and I think with the song, obviously songs sometimes get more and more traction and, you know, uh, reach, reach a large audience. Um, and to be able to say that you were here first to discover a song is a bit of a bit of appeal to like people's competitive 
uh, instincts. And if you go on YouTube or TikTok or any of these Web2 platforms today and you look at the comments, there are always hundreds and thousands of comments saying, I was here before this blows up, here before it blows up, even SoundCloud on the original day. And I think that's part of the itch of what this is scratching. The second is the monetization and the speculation. Like there's no, crypto is built on speculation. Um, and so the opportunity to potentially make money on these things is definitely a factor. And then the third ingredient is the access to the artist, right? I think in a world where like the artist gets bigger, they have millions and millions and millions of fans. And it's not realistic to expect an artist to talk to a million people um, or have intimate relationships with a million people. Um, and I think uh, like, NFTs act as a way to kind of like signal to them who should they be acknowledging, who should they be uh, spending time with and building these small, intimate, a thousand true fan communities around, around their music. Yeah, no, I absolutely love that. And it's, it's interesting. And I love the notion of the kind of more transparent accounting, um, being able to have that kind of provable ownership, early fandom. Um, one question I have, though, as it pertains to like access, because I, I definitely it is interesting to see some of these utility centric NFT models where artists are releasing NFTs and providing new levels of access, ways to engage on a deeper level with their community. But then I think, as yes, we're deep down the rabbit hole of Web3. And as I'm sure we can all agree, a lot of people are building on Web3 just for the sake of building on Web3. It's like when it comes to the actual use case, it's like, in theory, there's still a lot of ways in which you can, um, uh, there's still a lot of ways in which you could replicate that up kind of existing technology stack. So when it comes to like the, the merit of Web3 with access or with some of the other functionality, like what, what does the blockchain really bring that changes the game in this regard? Yeah, so I think the interoperability is the main answer there. Uh, so I think a couple of things and, and just the global access, right? Like when you build on uh, in Web3 and obviously we're built on Ethereum, right? I don't think about building Ethereum systems for Europe or Asia or Africa or South America. It's one system and everybody can participate. And I think that is somewhat beautiful in and of itself. Um, and then two, I'm not responsible. This is the main thing is like, I'm not responsible for building all of the experiences that are possible because we're built on Ethereum. Anybody can, or 721, like anybody can come along and build something that allows for a new type of access experience. And so the possibilities and like endless outcomes of what artists can do with these NFTs is much more vast than if I were a Web2 central company that's just building all the access components, right? Um, and then artists are obviously locked into kind of our ecosystem, right? Um, and so I think that's really the main thing is I don't have to have all the solutions or all the answers. Other people, other builders, other passionate people about music can build experiences on top of sound NFTs, um, which ultimately, you know, or the artists can do it themselves, um, which I think is ultimately allows for many more outcomes. And just to make this point, because we should have probably made this earlier, is like the problem with music is like a lack of experimentation. Like the more things that we're trying, the better. I would love to live in a world where there's too much, uh, too many, too many ways to monetize music. Um, versus today, it feels like there's too few. Um, and that's kind of the goal is just to experiment with music as much as possible. Makes a ton of sense. Uh, let's talk a little about the major labels. As you mentioned, you know, they're monop they've monopolized a lot of the value in the existing industry models. Um, I'm curious to hear, how are you currently navigating working with artists who are signed to major labels? And on a bigger picture level, what do you believe the role should be for major labels in Web3, if any? 
Yeah, so I think with artists that have been signed to, to, to major labels, like we, we've been taking a very collaborative approach. I mean, the point of sound was never to not pay labels or not pay the people that are like responsible for uh, like helping, you know, shape the music. And as I said, the music economy is vast. It's, as I said, the artists, the songwriters, the labels, et cetera, whoever contributes to a song deserves to get paid right now, how much and when and all these other things, those are more, you know, subjects to debate. Um, but the goal was never to say like, hey, you have this contractual right. We're not trying to like pay you. We obviously want to be collaborative. And, and, and I think a lot of the, there's been, there's some amazing people across the entire music industry who deeply care about artists. I think it's more the system that that's kind of been set up that I think is um, a, a little bit harder. So one is like, I don't believe in the like bulldoze uh, type of like aggressive approach because then they're on edge that you don't, if somebody attacks you, you don't want to be collaborative and help um, kind of shape the future uh, of the music industry. Um, I think the, the, the next thing is like, what is their role? I think their, their role is going to be like, it's still going to be a, like a service driven industry, right? Like artists are going to need services for their, um, for, for their project. I think even with independent artists, one of my favorite things is like, no independent artist is truly independent. They have a team around them, regardless of whether, of how, like, whether they're independently distributed, because they have, uh, like building a music career is hard. You need multiple team members, et cetera. So uh, I think with major labels, like the first thing that I think like maybe um, changes a bit is like the capital for creative freedom. Um, and I think that's honestly probably one of the biggest like like perks of like FTs right now is that artists are getting capital at very cheap costs um, to basically go reinvest back into their career. Historically, you've had to obviously go to a major label or go to somebody and get money and you know sign away your masters in return for the creative capital. And I think the more sources of creative capital that are coming to the music industry, the more the artists have kind of ultimately the leverage to um to to steer their career and take whatever deals that they 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 want so i think one big misperception is that not all deals are the same if an artist can get a licensing 50 50 deal that's a completely different look than a royalty master recording deal and i think that's ultimately the most exciting part is just giving artists autonomy and control over their 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 careers yeah 1000% man totally agree and i think it's really fascinating too because we're seeing this like this class of web three artists at the forefront when it comes to deal structure. It's like a lot of these artists that are really at the forefront of the web three game are actually building more leverage to lever to lean into this kind of like major label system and get much more favorable deals, tap into distribution without as much of a, a deal that can put them at risk. Um, I'm curious too, and, and this is definitely just kind of like forward looking, just what you think, but we had a question from zero X acid and he's asking about, do you think streaming platforms will begin offering NFT functionality? What's your thoughts on like, will these different DSPs, Spotify, Apple music, what, you think NFTs will become a, a big part of their roadmap? And if so, what do you think could come to life? Yeah. So I, I think, uh, historically, like the, the, this is what I mean by like the system is like the system doesn't move fast enough right now. Streaming, like, uh, is working for them like they're making a lot of money um and so i think anything that potentially like uh like like disrupts that um they're going to move more cautiously on um i think is there a world where major platforms integrate nfts in some way potentially 
Um, but typically that's not how the story starts. The story always starts with a little guy. And that's why at Sound, like we really focused on like going after independent up and coming artists um, because that's where the narrative has always begun. If you think about SoundCloud, it was artists that you've never heard of that became household names. And that's why SoundCloud built an entire genre of music around it. Or you look at TikTok, everybody's on TikTok today, but couple years ago when it started, it was really like a new class of artist and creator that was doing it because nobody, nobody, like it wasn't really like nobody was seeking out a new platform. Um, and so while they can and maybe will do it, uh, I think uh, by the time they do, it will, you know, we'll, we'll, every, every, the whole space will be a little bit further along. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. Um, I'm curious too, like, as you're thinking about like the future of sound and scaling it, like, what, what does that look like to you? Like, do you do you envision this like scaling to meet like the regular release needs of the music industry? It will it always be more of a curated platform. Um, just would love to get your 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 kind of like finger on the pulse there. Yeah, the goal is to definitely uh, open it up. I think when I started this, um, it really wasn't about helping 100 artists because I want to help millions of artists. Um, and so that's really, really hard to do, obviously, in a curated or even in the state that we're doing now. I, I think what the, on the flip side, when we started, music NFTs really weren't a thing. They were a very small part. They still are a small part, which I'll get to in a second, of the overall music landscape and even in the crypto landscape as well. And so it was important to prove that this model can work and be sustainable. And that's why we took a curated approach. Also, from a product perspective, like we're building out the initial product, we obviously want to make sure that we're able to handle the volume of, of what happens uh, as you become more and more open. But I think in order to realize the true vision of, of, of the space, the tool of Web3 music should be available to as many artists, especially independent artists that, that, that want to use it. Um, I don't think that this is a tool that is only meant to be used by certain artists. I think the main, the main aspect is how do we make sure that the community and engagement and the intimacy of what we've created obviously at Sound Today scales right um, and provide those experiences because i think the goal is not to just rebuild something that's already out there the goal is to build something completely new that doesn't even uh exist today and i, I think um uh create a new paradigm right so i i think that's ultimately like the mental shift that i think it's easy to say hey music nfts look looks like kind of a streaming thing but also kind of a merch thing but really it's, a, it's about creating something new that doesn't exist before, just like streaming was completely different to iTunes, right? Which was completely different to CDs, which are completely different to cassettes. Um, and so the, the, the lineage of like the music industry, like the, it always looks a little bit different. Um, and I think that we're in that stage right now where people are like digesting what is going on. And um, it's definitely like a fight um, to, to obviously like, I think one thing is like music NFTs are just getting started. like. Yes, we've caused a lot of noise and there's been a lot of exciting drops in the space, but um, I don't even think we've scratched the surface or left the batter's box on what's possible if this works. Absolutely. And, and what are you seeing as like the biggest challenges that you're facing to scaling this, you know, to, to, to meet that vision? Yeah, so I, I think uh, the the couple things. One is like the visibility, right? Like how do we get more eyeballs on music NFTs, right? From a like from a song perspective, right? A lot of these artists are independent, up and coming. They're building their fan bases, right? And today we're completely reliant on like the tools of it that are out there, whether it's Spotify or TikTok, right? Which are the primary ways that songs are breaking. Um, and so again, with a low amount of songs in the entire Web3 music space, it's pretty hard to like, like 
I think they, uh, I've been saying this for a while, but I think the, um, the, the, the mark that's going to really launch this is when you hear a song that started off in the Web3 space that's just in a coffee shop. Um, and that's going to happen. It's a matter of time. Like it, it probably will happen this year. Um, but I, I, think, um, I think that's one thing. And then two, I think people are still trying to figure out like what access to the artist means uh, and building cool examples of like how to engage the community, right? Whether that's a token gated chat, whether it's a token gated merch store, figuring out what are the ways that listeners and, and, and um, uh, like uh, an artist want to connect, I think is the, the other open question. Um, and I think there's been a lot of experiments. There's been too many sound artists to count or, or name that have done really cool stuff with either airdropping or personal meeting greets or, or sending them something or recording a custom demo. Um, and so it's really about um, just exploring and figuring out what are the patterns and blueprints that work that drive that intimate relationship and connection that ultimately power um, those a thousand, a thousand true fans. It's exciting times too. And I think just like, it's fun too. I mean, even when we started NFT now, it's people that when we first started it, it's like, Oh, this is a fad it's not going away. And the next thing you know, six, seven, eight months later, they're like, yo, let me pick your brain on NFTs. I think like the whole music industry, there's just a lot of like the, the level of curiosity is only compounding. And I think that's just leading to, to more of the existing entities start to really engage too. And I think beyond more artists, more music, it'll just be really interesting as kind of more of these artists that have bigger, more established fan bases unleash the, the potential of Web3, of NFTs in meaningful ways. It'll just start to onboard tons of new users. Uh, I'm curious when you think about the... Um, just like success stories, like there's been some really powerful stories of artists that have dropped stuff on sound and just the, the economics and the way in which they've been able to engage their community is candidly unprecedented for the traditional model for artists that are at that level of traction in their career. What are some of your favorite success stories of artists that have either just leveraged sound or more generally in just the web three music space? Yeah, I mean, there's just so many uh, incredible artists and examples. Um, but I, I think uh, obviously like uh, Oshi was the first artist to, to drop on sound and then somebody who inspired me even before starting sound because he was just experimenting. And uh, for those who don't know, Oshi is one of the most talented artists, period, um, and had a lot of success in kind of the SoundCloud era and kind of has like refound himself in the Web3 era by just trying out and experimenting with all these different tools and platforms. And um, I think to, to see him drop on sound and then he's gone on to do these other really, really huge drops on, on like things like Beat Foundry, which is doing a more generative side. I think it's been really, really awesome and amazing to, to see because now he's like the coolest and most inspirational side is that he's regained some like financial freedom and like creative control over what he can do. Because I, I think most artists like their first goal is put food on the table, provide for their family or whatnot. And I think that's the most beautiful thing of the whole thing is getting that like creative freedom to explore um, there. I think another um, really awesome story is obviously the Snoop Dogg story. Um, Snoop Dogg obviously has been involved with the kind of the Web3 space um, for a while and then kind of, uh, you know, get one of those calls saying like, you know, Snoop Dogg might be down to drop a sound after he saw um, the, something earlier, which was like a, this mix, radio mix that we did with Selection. And I got to give Selection to bring this a story full circle. I got to give Selection a lot of credit for just partnering with us and Joe Kay and the whole team, Mr. Mars, uh, for just being so uh, forward thinking and collaborative. Um, so we did this radio mix where uh, we did an hour long show, Joe Kay curated it, um, like narrated it, 
and everything. And we split the revenue amongst 34 different songs and 18 different artists. Um, and uh, every artist got paid out on the spot and we raised $100,000 on a radio show, um, which you know would never happen in today's world. And then and Snoop Dogg saw that and was like, I want to do my own mix. Um, and that's kind of how the Snoop Dogg uh, kind of um, uh, like entered sound. And then I was talking to Snoop and I said, like, I've been waiting for a bigger artist to really shine light on the work that, you know, uh, up and coming artists in the space are doing because the music is incredible. Um, and they sometimes you just need a little bit of spotlight on you. Um, and so Snoop, in his second mix, curated a lot of the Web3 up-and-coming talent, and there's so much, but it was featuring, obviously, Black Dave and Amon Europe, who is one of the most talented artists out there and also uh, works at Sound, um, and uh, I'll get into that in a second, and then um, Heno uh, and Maruf. And so it was just one of those things for me where I was like, that's fucking cool, like, hope I can curse, but uh, like an up like somebody as legendary as Scoop Dog is curating um, and highlighting uh, super talented artists in the space. So that's um, yeah, those are some of the, some of the some of the examples. And Daniel Allen with his Overstep um, campaign, which was a, a 50 ETH crowdfund for an album, and seeing the world that he's built around it, and the community, and how he's leveraged proceeds from NFT sales to go back into the crowdfund. I think it's been really like it's the diversity of the experiments that I think is so uh, exciting. Yeah, 1000% love all of that. And I think the selection example too, I mean, just like DJ sets in general, radio shows have like, it's been good, I guess, for promotional purposes for engaging community, but there's never really been any monetary value. So for not only like selection and Joe Kay as artists and as a brand and label to generate revenue off that, but to like be able to instantaneously route royalties to all the different artists and producers that were featured in that mix is like really, really fascinating. Do want to encourage listeners if you haven't already uh, on our YouTube channel, we actually had an opportunity to kind of go shoot with the selection team and dive deeper into that drop. So at youtube.com slash NFT. Now you can go check out that, that interview and that behind the drop video that we did. Um, so one thing that comes to mind too, in this kind of just general, as people are learning how to engage in the space, this is a debate that happens across the NFT landscape, not just in music, but art versus utility, right? Art yeah. being kind of collecting and purchasing NFTs for the sake of collecting and purchasing NFTs, uh, and just kind of like uh, the, the collectability, the, the utility, the value proposition itself is just the art and the creative expression. There's a lot of merit to that. On the other side, you have this, this argument and, and opportunity around utility and, and coming up with a very unique value proposition. We were speaking earlier to finding new ways to engage and provide access to your fans and community at a deeper level. I'm curious, do you think that music NFTs need to have quote unquote utility or do you feel that there's enough utility just in the, the merit of having this collectible art and collectible music? Yeah, so I, I take a very like in the middle approach, right? I, I think uh, for artists that obviously um, like want to focus on their music, I, I think people forget just how much the work goes into making the music, um, and that's really like the craft of any 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 artist. And so, if an artist wants to just release music NFTs and you know use so as a means to obviously like uh, build a relationship with their listeners and have their listeners like support them for their music and get cool um, kind of recognition for that. Um, I think that's totally, totally fine. Uh, I think on the other hand, I think artists that have built cult like followings definitely will engage the people that um, like buy these music NFTs. Uh, and I think that's really like 
and it's really about the access. Like, what is the access that um, that that kind of provides and gives? And I think there are some, like you know, the classic examples I kind of riddled off earlier. But what I'm excited about is like what hasn't been discovered, like what hasn't been uncovered yet. Like, it could be, uh, like it could be. It's not just like access to like the stems or the merch or um, chat. And there's some some really awesome things. But I mean, as these artists get bigger, it could be access to tours and things that like people put a lot of value on um, today that uh, I think hasn't been before possible. And that goes back to my original point. Artists and listeners have never really like chatted with each other on that like intimate level because artists don't have their the information on who their their, their super fans are. Um, and this is kind of like the first time that I think it's happening. So we're really early in like discovering and exploring um, uh, ultimately uh, what's possible. And I think um, as that artist visibility gets higher the access to that artist also gets higher so they kind of go um hand in hand um and i think that is kind of the the interesting part so i don't think it's uh like ignore the music that's 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 insane the music is what's valuable the music is the art um but i also think that like building community around the music is a really really strong idea because it gives you this extra marketing leverage and it also gives you um uh like it gives you a direct line and insight into like your listeners and the people that are ultimately like trying to support you in your career and, and, and bring you to the next level. So I think it's a, it's a mutual harmony between the two. Yeah. Makes a ton of sense. Um, one thing that's been really cool to see is like the emergence of the secondary market on, on sound. And um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts about um, the drivers of that secondary market and, and how you kind of keep that sustainable as you, as you scale and, and bring more, um, you know, more drops, more artists, more releases into the, uh, into the ecosystem. Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a great question. And that was something that that was really at zero when we started, there was no music NFT secondary market because there were barely any music NFT sales. And I, I think we, you know, it was a little bit of manifesting to make that to make that happen. But um, I um, I think that the main point is that as like any other NFT project, right, as the visibility of either music NFTs and or that artists expand, people want to be part of the club that ultimately uh, was there first. And that kind of supports the theory of like, without really doing much, um, people like want to show off that they were a backer of this artist, this song, and implicitly this movement before other uh, other people. And that's obviously what's been driving driving that. Um, I think uh, uh, like there is always going to be a bit of unknown unknowns which drives these things. So as an example, at any point you could turn on this feature and that feature, uh, which could obviously like you know change change. Um, like why these things are valued or what they have access to, or, you know, access to different mints from that artist or access to, you know, concert from that artist. And so I think people like, because we're so early in this space, there is a bit of like, I want to hold this because I don't know where this is headed. Um, and if it's headed in where we think it's headed, then these things are definitely obviously going to go up in value. And I think the big question is, is that's going to happen is what happens when you find the next Billie Eilish and you're sitting there holding the one of 50 Ocean Eyes uh, NFT? Billie Eilish is going to be able to turn around and say, hey, wait a second, these are the 50 people that hold my first song. They get access to tour for life. They get to come to, I mean, it's the, it's the opportunities that have never been before possible. And I think that is like, you can't put a price on that. Um, uh, it's it's value. It, it, it's like music is like you can't put a price on what music means to somebody, especially if it like changed their life or saved their life. Um, and I think that is like the most interesting and exciting part is like what's going to happen when we get that cultural moment where a music NFT is as visible as 
a CryptoPunk or Board API or Moonbirds or whatever your latest, you know, NFT uh, project is. And I, I think that is a, a day's coming. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's exciting. I'm hopeful that this is 2022's music NFT summer. Um, so, so we'll see how that plays out. I hope so. I hope so as well. Um, I'm curious too, when it comes to like the, the tech stack right now, you mentioned it's built on ETH. Sometimes ETH, when it comes to like low priced accessible NFTs, it's like, okay, now we're back at like ticketing companies where sometimes ticket fees, you're just paying like 20 to 30% of the cost of the ticket, just in different sorts of service fees. And if, uh, like sometimes when you're doing an NFT drop, if, if you're trying to onboard fans at a lower cost and in a more accessible way, sometimes you see the gas and transaction fees at the same exact cost as the actual NFT itself, which from a fan experience, even a fan doesn't want that either. Um, do you see the, the future of sound on ETH, the future of just music NFTs on ETH? Do you see it more as a kind of omni-chain landscape? What's your thoughts there? Yeah, so I, I think um, twofold. Like, why did we start on ETH? I think one, um, well, ETH is where like the value has kind of accrued. Like almost every, if not every valuable NFT is on ETH. Um, and I think that's part of like, obviously the main value prop is that you're, inter you're, you're building and interacting with a lot of the other value that is accrued on chain. Um, and so for us, like music is valuable to go back to the question that we just asked earlier, we want music to be on the chain where all the other value has been kind of accrued because we're setting the precedent that music is really, really valuable. Um, and that's why we obviously started on ETH. The second thing is, yes, the gas fees are not uh, great for like a scaling a mass market product. And I think that's why we're like in the future, we, yeah, we're definitely like open to other chains and uh, building like a multi-chain future. But what I will, what, what I will say is like, I don't think that that alone is like the single um, value prop uh, for, for driving mass adoption. And I think it, I actually take it as more of a challenge. I take it as how do we build something so strong, so good that people will want to, you know, make a MetaMask, buy ETH, purchase it, pay the gas fee. Because if we have that level of stickiness from a product perspective and a community perspective, that means that we're really onto it. Does it mean that it scales? Absolutely not. I mean, eventually it might do it, but I think it actually forces you to be more ruthless about like, what is what is the value prop of, of music NFTs? And that actually in the beginning, when you know things are so nascent and new, has actually been really helpful for forcing us to, to, to be so laser focused on kind of helping artists and collectors um, and listeners interact with one another. Yeah, makes a ton of sense. You know, it, it's interesting too. I know you're, you're interfacing with a lot of artists, different actors in the music industry, both traditional and beyond uh, in, in Web3 as well. Um, what, are, what are some of the biggest misconceptions that you're seeing around music NFTs? Yeah, so I, I think one is that um, like this is a threat right now to like the label's business model. Like, I mean, there's 130 songs or 140 songs on sound and 100 plus artists like, this isn't even making a remote dent. And so I think the main thing is that like letting people experiment is the best thing that could ever happen to the music industry. The more business models that exist, the less dependent on any one business model. And I think there's a lot of like fear um, in general around anytime there's new technology uh, interacting with music. And historically the reaction is always to get like scared and, re and retreat. Um, and I think the more that you embrace uh, 
like what's going on, the stronger, um, honestly, you're going to make your business model moving forward. Um, I think the other is that, um, like, you know, on the music side, that sometimes it comes across, on the music industry side of things, sometimes it comes across as this is like some playground for like independent artists. It's not some real thing. This couldn't apply to the artists on, on our side. The music NFTs works for Drake and it works for the unknown artists in, in, in their bedroom that's going to become the next Drake. There's nothing about it that that's that's different from a bigger artist or a um, or a more independent up and coming artist. And the reason why I say that is that it's ultimately about building a relationship and, 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 and connection with your listeners. That is true for every single artist in the world. We focus on independent artists because it means more for them. Like you obviously pay an artist $10,000, that's close to 3 million Spotify streams. It's really hard to earn 3 million Spotify streams and get paid out you know, in a timely manner. So it, the work is more meaningful on an independent artist level, which is why you, we chose to start there. Um, and I, I think that's really like two of the main things for me is just, this is for everyone and this can actually work and, and scale as long as everybody obviously um, wants to participate in the ecosystem, right? Um, and I think part of the other reason we chose to start with major, I mean, independent artists is they honestly own their rights and can, are free to experiment. And I think it's kind of just sets the stage that the ones who are free to experiment have an unfair advantage um, because they can try things out. And I think today in the music industry, um, so there aren't a lot of ways that artists are breaking right now. Like it's TikTok and all these other things as well, but uh, the, the options are pretty, 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 um, pretty, pretty low. Um, and so I, I think uh, what we're seeing is just a influx of, I mean, I've never, I've never had so many DMs in my life, thousands and thousands and thousands um, that are basically like from really credible artists that are like kind of entrenched in the system or have a bunch of Spotify success saying, how do I experiment and explore and try uh, to get involved because they're like, yeah, other than make TikToks, which they're, you know, sometimes down to do, what else is there to do right now? Um, and this is honestly like the most exciting initiative that's been put forth in, I think, quite some time. Yeah, no, I totally love that. And I mean, when people are DMing you and when you are talking with these artists, be it independent or even more established artists in the kind of Web 2 world that are venturing into Web 3, what's kind of like a lot of the, the common advice you give them. I even know, too, from our perspective, it's interesting because a lot of times in Web 3, it's like celebrity can reset. Like even if you have a big fan base, um, A, you have to like kind of uh, onboard your community into the Web3 space. But even beyond that too, it's also kind of important to build rapport with the Web3 community to get their support. And if you're just coming out of nowhere, coming come in too hot with Alpha NFT drop and, and just kind of the, the community will smell that this might just be a cash grab. So what do you think from your perspective is the, the kind of common advice you're given to different artists as to how to move and engage in the space? Yeah, so I guess uh, we're going to have to tie this in because this is, this is a better answer. So even your last question is, I think a lot of people want Web3 success, but they don't want to put in Web3 work. And I think that's really um, one of the disconnects here um, is that it's not like there's it's not like we're just throwing money around, printing it left and right without doing work. There is so much work that goes in and behind the scenes. And I think one thing that I'm happy to share is like on sound, we've never spent a dollar on marketing, not a single dollar, not a single penny. Um, it's been entirely organic and word of mouth. Um, and I think why it's because we've worked so tirelessly hard with the artists to basically promote and, and, and involve their communities and build that audience. And so for an artist entering the space, I think one is, first believe in like what the web three kind of 
space music space is about and buy in if you're not bought in it's going to obviously come across that doesn't mean that you don't need to know everything or 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 have all the answers honestly curiosity is more than enough just being open to like what's going on i think is like will resonate with people the second is just get involved right like tweet do something instagram story it really all the all what i'm about to say is all free there's no spending money in any of these experiments it's really just about donating your time so tweet um support another artist go to a Twitter spaces, just start to listen to like what the artistic community is kind of saying, join a discord if you want. And then there are some more tangible ways in terms of like, you really want to get involved, you could support and buy another artist NFT and uh, support them. And people will see that you're obviously supporting them more, more directly and start collecting. Um, or uh, you can, you know, do, collaborate with an artist that's already in the Web3 music space. Um, but then ultimately, at the end of the day, it's about experimenting and trying things out. And yeah, the first couple of times you try out, like, who cares if you fail or that nobody buys it? Like, many of the biggest artists in the space right now dealt with a years of like not being paid attention to or not taken seriously. So you have to have the thick enough skin that like, it may not work or resonate the first couple of times, but as long as you're genuine into who you are and building that uh, kind of relationship with your listeners, somebody will take notice at, at some point. Space is too nascent, um, and that's kind of the that's kind of that's kind of it. Those are those are great points and and really great insights. You know, one thing I think is really interesting too is the live experience has always been so critical to the, the you know the fan experience of music right concerts festivals all that are are really important rallying points and cultural touch points um in an artist's career how do you think uh music nfts and web3 will interface with with those live events uh in the future yeah so i couldn't agree more in terms of like the concert is actually what like inspired sound like the feeling of being at a concert and being surrounded it's not some uh like one person watching an artist perform you're amongst a community of listeners and, and fans and i think that's part of the like what makes a concert such a special feeling is seeing those other people around you with the artist obviously and that's obviously even in terms of like how we design sound with like the audience section at the bottom like we wanted it to feel aspirationally as close to a concert as possible um i think the the the, the unfortunate reality is like one touring has been dead for two years due to the pandemic and then two many artists don't get the privilege obviously of touring um and so touring is uh like probably the, the holy grail uh of you know, being an artist for those who want to tour um, and have those experiences with with their fans. I think ultimately, um, like they're going to intersect because music and concerts like go hand in hand together. Um, and so artists are gonna be able to reward the people that actually like uh, uh, back those particular songs, right? And, or, or, or was early in their journey. And I mean, imagine experiences where you're, you supported an artist for a song, they're now playing that in front of 18,000 people at Madison Square Garden. And they're like, I wanna bring out the 25 people that were the first believers in this song, right? Those types of moments have never been before possible because we don't even know who the first 25 people are that supported or backed uh, a particular song and artist on the journey. And I think that's gonna be um, like some of the most like hallmark moments and kind of just pop culture um, when these types of intersections happen. Um, and I think we need to get more artists involved from touring, doing music NFTs, but also we got to get more artists that are making music NFTs right now. We got to get them their own tours. Um, and I think that's something that I think is um, really, really exciting because there's just so many talented artists that are on the pre precipice of blowing up, I would guess to say, and um, just a matter of time, maybe it's the uh, summer 
Summer Sam is, is talking about, but uh, we'll see what happens. Let's go. Um, well, well, as we start shifting and working towards a close, I'm curious, um, hurdles, challenges, opportunities to really fostering more mainstream adoption in the music NFT world. Like right now, it still is like you have the Web3 music community. And I think like this is a small subset of the greater music market. What are some of the key challenges and opportunities that as a community you really should be focused on addressing in order to foster this adoption, and unleash this potential? Yeah, so music, there's two sides to music. It's basically, uh, you know, how do you help artists reach the most amount of people with their music? And then obviously, how do you help artists make a more sustainable living and make money off their music uh, and shape how music is valued as art? Um, I think the money is really important. Don't be wrong. Like if you're an artist and you're not able to make a full time living off your music, right, you might have to take on another job or not even pursue music, which is the worst case 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 outcome. But I, I think the visibility on the song is actually quite important because making music is not just about making money. I a lot of artists in fact i would almost say the majority of them they didn't get started making music because they 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 wanted to be rich they we got started making music because of the way it made them feel or they just like just how like they wanted to express their feelings and they wanted to connect with other people who felt the same ways uh, they did and i think we're missing that hallmark moment where these songs are really going to start to reach um uh the 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 the, the masses and i think today it's just because it's so early there's so many too few artists that are experimenting in the space and obviously looking uh for many more to get involved but and the tools out there to like surface new music are pretty bare both on the web two side and the web three side as well um and so i think it's really about getting that visibility on these artists like there are so many superstars already in the space both in terms of their music but also their personalities and i think that's really um the exciting part is we need to get those stories told asap and that's obviously why at sound we've done these twitter spaces i've done a hundred i don't even know 140 twitter spaces every single day monday to friday sometimes sunday for the last four and a half months uh, because we believe in highlighting these stories and we won't stop until um you know we highlight as many stories as, as we possibly can and i think in order to build that relationship and get that visibility you have to know the story of these people because that's what draws you in and that's ultimately what what makes the music just hit so much so much more so 100%, David, we are very much aligned on the importance of storytelling. Always believe that was the key to, to converting uh, casual listeners to fandom. And great to see that that you're uh, championing that here in a, in a very important space. It, it's been a great conversation. And here's, here's to uh, Music NFT Summer. Let, let's get it. I can't wait. And thank you to you both for both not just supporting us at Sound, but supporting the entire Music Web3 space more broadly. I think it's super important that other people help legitimize and kind of highlight the emerging stories. And I think without NFT now, like there, there wouldn't be as much eyeballs on the space. And I think you two and obviously Alejandro uh, deserve a lot of credit for, for making that possible. So equal, equal thanks to you both. Appreciate that. Thank you so much, David. See you later, man. Man, really loved that conversation. What stood out to you, Matt? Yeah, I, I love the conversation. Um, I love the points about creating the connection between artists and their fans, that deeper connection, being able to reward your earliest fans. I always say a music NFT drop is a beginning. It is not an end. Uh, and I, I think it's just incredible to see uh, this new model for powering prosperity in the music industry. And uh, it's, it's great to see, uh, you know, some of the success stories we've already seen uh, because music drives culture and cultural adoption will lead to mainstream adoption.
Yeah, 1000%. I think uh, it's a very fun time, very exciting time. I think a lot of the rules are still being written. And I think there's a lot of people that are still experimenting and unleashing what will become the new precedent in a lot of different ways. Um, and I think David is and, and Sound are really at the forefront of that. So I'm excited to see that continue to evolve. I'm excited to see more fans come into the space, more artists come into the space. I think it's a uh, this is one of the, the use cases and in industries that I think is uh, very ripe for disruption i think platforms like sounder at the forefront of uh, actualizing that potential so thank you as always for tuning in i uh, really appreciate the support if you haven't already i want to encourage you to sign up for our newsletter nftnow.com we kind of break down everything that happened over the course of the previous week into actual digest so i want to keep you informed help you get involved nftnow.com but there you have it we'll be back next week until then we out <laughs>